0: Glad that you're here. It's good to be able to worship together. If you would, please turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 18. Let's turn our attention now to the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10 says this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us here today and just the, the joy it is uh, being together and just thank you for your grace, continued grace upon our lives. You are so good to us. And Lord, you're good to us in giving us your word that sustains us and just gleaning through this passage, through this word this week, it's just been a refreshment to my own heart and I just, I thank you for the privilege of being able to Bring your word to these people. Lord, we've already been blessed by the songs, by the, the catechisms, by the passage that's already been read. Uh, Lord, our hearts are, have been lifted up to you. And as we continue our worship, may we glean things from this passage that would continue to lift our hearts up, but also to convict our hearts to live righteous lives and to be a distinction in this world, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we've in the past few weeks we've been trying to—it's uh, my desire to draw attention to this idea of godliness. I, I think we need to kind of rediscover godliness today, at least in the American church. I, it's almost as though we've we've lost it. We, we've forgotten that it's important, and, and I believe that godliness is something that we must. Take care with. We, we have to be very careful to get it right. Because we can mess it up. We we tend to just be absorbed into the culture. And righteousness just kind of goes out the window. It's, that's just one of the, the dangers. Let me give you a few other dangers. I think sometimes we fail to see righteousness... As its own entity. That it is a thing. It is a way of life. It is an absolute that we see. It is absolutes, plural, that we see in scripture. No matter what the culture, it transcends culture. There's always been a righteousness through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament church. There is that thread. And if we don't have it, we are without a distinction in this world. Righteousness is important. Number two there's another danger I think that we have, and that is that we fail to pursue godliness. And I've I've been mentioning this, and whether it's laziness or we just don't see the need or or, or what, or or maybe sometimes we lack, uh, we uh, we become like the world in order to win the world. That's kind of the popular idea today, and and we have that idea. But we are to be distinct from the world. We are commanded to discipline ourselves for the sake of godliness. Discipline ourselves. And we are to work at godliness. Another danger, I think, is just a false godliness. Putting on some external facade as this godliness. But godliness is first and foremost a condition of the heart. Condition of the heart. It's, it's the nature of the heart. A heart that has been Changed. And Paul warned us, remember he said in the last days, there's going to be people who have a form of godliness but deny its power. The reality's not there, the, the facade is still there, and that's always a danger. Godliness is not a list of do's and don'ts, it's not just having, I've got my theology right, it's not going to church faithfully, it's not just feeding the poor, but includes the condition of the heart first and foremost. And those are a few dangers. But in this passage, what we see, and this is wonderful, because this is a positive thing. In this passage, we see that Solomon is pointing out a benefit of righteousness. It's something that he is, is pushing his child, his son, into. And he's pointing out, here's what righteousness does. Here's what the righteous people do. And he says this. His point is that the righteous people have a safe place in the very name of God. Look at the text again. The name of the Lord. That word Lord there should be in all capital letters in your uh in your Bible. And it's the word translated Lord from the Hebrew word Yahweh. That is the God who created, that is the God uh, of creation and the God who led Israel out of Egypt. The God of the Old Testament is Yahweh. And then the name of the Lord is a strong tower, a strong tower. And you can imagine a tower that's maybe connected to the walls of the city, and and nobody can get in. It's there's safety there. Maybe a, even a moat around this tower. And he says the righteous they run in it, they run into it. They they flee there for for safety, and they are safe. And the word safe there is is lifted up above the the danger. Of this world. And so what we see here. Is that it is a place of protection. The very name of God. The very name Yahweh. That encompasses. It's not just a label. That word Yahweh is not just a label. That is, That encompasses all the characteristics of God. It encompasses all of his nature. And his character. All that makes up Yahweh. All that makes up God. His faithfulness, His power, His mercy, His wisdom, His grace in our life, His wrath, His loving kindness. And it's all reflected in this name. And for us, the righteous, it is a place of protection. It is a place of safety. It's a high, lifted up place. For the righteous, it is resting in the very nature, in the very character of God. And there's preservation there. Th- that's where we run. Now you say. Well. That's kind of strange. In the, in the name of God. But yeah. The righteous are the ones. Who have taken on. The very name of God. We take on that name. And we run back to that name. And, and we see. We are affirmed in scripture. That yes. We're standing on solid ground. Because our character. Our nature. Is the same very nature. Of God of the universe. The God who created us. And we must make sure, folks, that we are numbered among the what? The righteous. Make sure we're numbered among the righteous. There's dangers, but there's also blessings. There's also blessings there. Now, we've been going through this definition of godliness. It's a practical, just kind of a working definition. The practical definition is basically just some elementary building blocks to building a righteous life. This is what we've been going over the past few months. And it involves essentially the whole person. Godliness is not just external. It's not just the heart. It is the the whole person. Now here's the definition. Godliness is an ever-increasing mindset. And we've looked at that. In which our goals are exchanged for God's goals. God's attitudes become our attitudes. God's values become our values. God's will becomes our will. God's actions become our actions. In other words, it starts from the heart, but it it affects the whole person. It, it always comes out it, it, to the very actions of the person. And we've been answering the question, and we'll continue to answer this question, what is godliness? What does godliness look like? How has it worked out? But here, today, I just want us to focus on what is, what is godliness? What is the makeup of a godly heart? I might put it that way. What is the makeup of a godly heart? Now, we've seen the past couple of weeks, we've seen two of these. First of all, that godliness is exchanging our goals for God's goals. Our motivation for life is, is wrapped up in the glory of God. That's the primary goal of the believer, is to glorify God in everything that is. Because that's God's goal, isn't it? To, to glorify himself. That's the believer's goal. And along with that is the redemption and the sanctification of people. Of God's people. Bringing them into the church. Sanctifying them. That was Paul's goal in Colossians chapter 1 verse 28-29. To glorify God. That's basically it. God's glory. To glorify God. Number two, godliness. Godliness must include a godly attitude. Godliness must include godly attitude. A godly attitude starts with with brokenness and humility of heart. We looked at this last time, brokenness and humility, and that always leads to submission, obedience, and a servant mindset. Or a, a humble mindset. Servant mindset, a humble mindset is the same thing. And it's humility, essentially toward God. If you want one word, it's it's humility. That is the primary characteristic of the believer, is is brokenness and humility. We've faced our own sinfulness, and we've faced the the glory of, of God and the grandeur of God, and we see that great gulf that is there, and we're broken, and there's a humility there. So, that's the first two. Number three, godliness is exchanging our values for God's values. Exchanging our values for God's values. And this comes, folks, from understanding Scripture. Scripture is the key word there. Now, values. What are our values? What we think is important, that's our values. What does God think that is important? It would be our values, our priorities. And we as believers, godly believers, we must love what God loves and hate what God hates. Now, I've said that. Many, many times, love what God loves and hate what God hates. What does God think is important? And the only way we can know that folks is through Scripture. and we have to know we have to know Scripture. Now I want you to turn over Proverbs chapter eight verse 13, Proverbs chapter eight, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, And the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Now, the the fear of the Lord there, that's just the godly person. That's a euphemism for the the godly. And we are to look at evil as what it is, is evil. But here's what happens. We tend to look at evil as just, well, just the extreme. You you know, you you got Hitler, now that's evil. Or the terrorist who blew up the... The the buildings in New York. Those are evil people. That's evil. (laughs) Look what he says evil is. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What is evil? Pride. I mean, that's just the the common everyday pride in our own life. Arrogance. And the evil way. Just anything that comes out of that pride and that arrogance. That's evil. He says, he hates that. He hates that. That's God's value. Do we hate? What God hates and love what God loves. Let me show you some other passages. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read them quickly. Psalm chapter 97 verse 10. He says, hate evil, you who love the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 104. I hate every false way. Amos chapter 5 verse 15. Amos says this, hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gates of the city. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. Verse 9. You know this verse. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Now that's kind of big picture stuff. But that's the characteristics of a godly person. Is that they hate evil. And they love good. Why? They have the same value system as God does. Same value system. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 22. But examine everything carefully. Now think about that. Examine everything carefully. That is, examine your own life. Examine Scripture. Examine the situations around us. Examine the world. And then he goes on to say, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from that which is evil. That's what godly people do. Godly people are asking, what does God think about this situation? Godliness is is having the same values as God does, right? Right? We have to see good the way God sees good. We have to see evil the way God sees evil. We have to hate evil and we have to love good. You got the picture, right? This week I got something in the mail from the, the RNC, the Republican National Committee, and they wanted to survey, I guess, the common man. I'm the common man. So they wanted to survey, and they gave me a list of maybe 20, 30 questions there. And there is very intrusive questions, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And what they're wanting, and you understand what they're wanting to do. They, what does the common person on the street value? What does he think is important? And we will make that our platform, and we will say that that's important to us, right? And you understand that. And that's what they're doing. They're adjusting their values to make sure there's a connection to the real person on the street and what they're up in Washington. You can get your bearings all screwed up in Washington. You already know that. And so they're just testing those things, right? Getting their values straight. Getting their values straight. They need to do more surveys, Right? So I'm, I'm doing this questionnaire, and it's really intrusive. It's very interesting, and they would ask the same question from different angles, different things, because they want to know what does this man really think. Okay, I want to know my value system, and it's it's hard to reflect that on a 20, 30 question questionnaire. Let me put it in a different way. There, it's a matter of perspective. Many times, our value systems matter perspective. If you go into the military, and You know, you go to your sergeant and say, Sergeant, I don't really see the need for this camouflage. I mean, I I like red, okay, or or bright orange. I mean, just give me some bright orange and I'll be fine. And and the sergeant has to explain, No, look, that's not a good thing when you're in the military and you're going to go out to fight. You're going to need some camouflage, right? And camouflage becomes very important. Now, when we're just out on the street, camouflage is not worth it. I mean, it's okay. It's, it's good. Or he might say, Sergeant, you're, you're having us clean this gun. I, I don't see the, the value of this gun. Well, wait a second. When you get in war, ward, you're going to need this gun. Or exercise. Sergeant, why are you making us do all of this exercise? These are things that are important and valuable in the military and they have to be communicated. This is what's invaluable and important to us. But it's a matter of perspective, and sometimes we don't have the right perspective. And so I think there's some dangers that we need to point out here. Let me point these things out. There's some problems here. We have the wrong perspective. Because here's what we we don't see danger in evil. We really don't. We look at the pride in our own life, well, you know, well everybody everybody has pride. And we begin to flirt with it. We begin to flirt with it. Let me give you some suggestions. Number one, we have to examine our own heart, don't we? Examine our own heart. Sometimes we, we look at back at, at the old life that we used to live and you say, you know, I kind of miss those days. It was kind of good back in the good old days. They weren't so bad. And we begin to be like Israel. Remember Israel? And as soon as they get out, they hated Egypt. But as soon as they get out of Egypt, they want to go back to Egypt. They say, oh, well, we had it pretty good back there. Lead us back there. That's foolish, foolish thinking. Israel, they were enslaved in Egypt. the Lord led them out. And and then they they keep wanting to go back. They keep wanting to, to go back to that slavery. Folks, there should be nothing, nothing about the fleshly life that appeals to us there should be nothing about that fleshly life that old life that that we love we need to hate what god hates we need to have that perspective we need to examine our own heart number 2 we need to remember that you were that you are slaves of righteousness now here's what we think because this is this is just my own thinking maybe it's just me in Romans chapter 6, we see we're slaves to righteousness. And we need, I understand that. We need to get that in our mind. But here's what we think. Sometimes it's harder to be a slave to righteousness than it is to be a slave to sin, isn't it? We look back. And man, it, it takes so much work to be a slave to righteousness. It, I, it, it's so much easier to go back and just be a slave to sin again. You know what? We can't, can we? The righteous person, that's not even in the cards for a righteous person. The heart of the righteous, the heart of the godly person is not there. They can't go back. They hate. They hate that old life. Now, we do flirt with it, and I think we get our priorities mixed up sometimes, our values mixed up sometimes. But the godly hate evil. And we must love what God loves and hate what God hates. Number three. We have to be careful about those today who are calling good evil and evil good. Don't we have to be careful about that? I'm not just talking about, you know, calling abortion, that's okay. I mean, we could see that big stuff. But just even the pride in our own life. Even the gluttony. Even the laziness of our own life. Even the gossip that we share in we need to see that we need to say that's danger red flags should be going everywhere that's a danger and that's we have to be careful that's evil it's not just common everyday ordinary sin we have to think about that and then number four we must make sure that our source for determining god's value comes from the word of God now so often it comes from our own heart doesn't it Oh, here's what I think is important. Here's what, uh, you know, here's what the people around me think the culture thinks is important. Or maybe psychology or, or pragmatism says is important. Or maybe the economy, This that's what is important. And we need to say, no, you know what, my value system is going to be God's value system. Down economy, pragmatism says, oh, don't give to the church. Now we have to, we have to make sure. So we have to make sure that our source is, uh, the Word of God and not just our own heart, our own pragmatism. Now here's the deal. Just by application, there's no shortcut here. The only way that we will adapt God's value system, what God thinks is important, is that we saturate ourselves with God's Word. That's it. We, we have to saturate ourselves with with God's Word to understand God's perspective and to understand what's, what's important to Him and what we should say is important. And we have to change that. And I believe that's the change element. And that's the Holy Spirit. As we saturate ourselves with the Word of God, He begins to work and, and that begins to flesh its way out in our life. So we have to make God's value system our value system. Number four, God's... Godliness includes God's will becoming our will. God's will becoming our will. There's a little verse that's common. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. A common passage that you know well. Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Exercise faith, not in your own heart, but in the Lord's heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. That's pretty specific. Your will is not to be trusted. You don't lean on your own understanding, your own will. You trust in the Lord's will. You yield that over to him. And he says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will give you the direction of your life. That's that's what we are to do. It's a life of faith. We trust him for our will. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. Uh, I love what the psalmist says. He says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Psalm 143, verse 10, he says, teach me your will, O Lord. Even in the New Testament, Christ, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your what? Will be done. God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Perfectly. Luke chapter 22, when Christ was praying to his heavenly father, he says, Father, remove this cup, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. Christ came only to do the will of his father, folks. He is our, he is our example. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, prove what the will of God is. Prove what the will of God is. 1 John chapter 2 verse 17, the one who, the one who does the will of God lives forever. That's a wonderful verse. One who does the will of God lives forever. And folks, that's important for us. Godliness is His will becoming my will. Now, servants of God are not put here on this earth to do our own will. We're not here to do our own will. If if that were the case, then God would have just taken us on up to heaven. But He has plans for you. He has plans for us. We are His servants here on this earth. Now, slaves who are disobedient in the Roman world, they didn't live very long, did they? Just take your life. You're not going to obey. You're going to keep running away. We're just going to kill you off. And folks, we have to keep our eye on the Master. We get our instructions, our will from from God. We take orders from Him and Him alone. Say, how do you do that? How do you do that? Because that's hard to do. Just constantly keeping our eyes on Christ. As Paul said, we must keep looking at the things above. Let me show you a verse. This is a a wonderful verse. Psalm 37. Psalm 37 if you want to turn there. And we mentioned this verse on Wednesday nights. If you're not coming to Wednesday night, I encourage you to do that. Psalm 37 and verse 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's including the will. Now, this verse is not saying um, that He will give you everything your heart desires. Oh, you just, you know, whatever your heart desires, He'll, he'll just give you. That's not what He's saying at all. He's saying that He will give us The desires of our heart, the new desires of our heart. But here's the key we must delight ourselves in the Lord. We delight ourselves in the Lord, in Him. He is our focus, He is our joy, He is our treasure. He is our investment. And where your investment is, Christ says, where your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be. It's it's so much easier as a servant of God when we want and we have this desire to please God. And we delight ourselves in Him. And we love Him. We grow toward Him. Folks, that's the believer's life. That's the godly life is growing toward God, growing in our appreciation, growing in our love an exaltation of Christ and God, just looking at Him, delighting in Him, and you know what? He gives you the desires of your heart. You long for that righteousness. He's going to give you that that righteousness. But we keep looking above. I like what uh, David Platt he said. Uh, he said this. Now he said, in a world where everything revolves around self, our own selves, us. Self-promotion, self-protection, self-comfort. Christ says, crucify self. We give up our will, folks. As godly people, that's what we do. If you're searching after, if you're wanting godliness, you don't have a will anymore. That will has been given over to the Father. Paul says, I have died. And it's Christ who is living in me. I give up my will. I give up my desires. I give up my happiness. And I yield that over to the Lord. If He wants me to be happy, then He will grant that happiness to me in His grace. I don't take my own happiness into my own hands. I trust Him. That's what godliness is. Godliness includes God's will becoming our will. Number five. Godliness exchanges our Actions for God's actions. Now this is just righteous living. Righteous living. Godliness exchanges our righteousness for God's righteousness. Now I want you to turn over back to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 21. There's a key verse here that I want us to see. We'll try to wrap this up very quickly. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 3 says this. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord. So it's the Lord's desire. Desired by the Lord. More than sacrifice. And what he's saying here. Is to do righteousness. To practice righteousness and justice. That's more desirous of the Lord. He desires that more than even sacrifice. Well he invented the whole sacrificial system. You put that lamb on the altar. You sacrifice that lamb. He would rather you obey. He would rather you do righteousness. Than just continuously offering sacrifice. That's a. Wild picture to us. It would be the equivalent today of our worship. And he is saying, it is better for you to obey, do righteousness in your life, than come and worship. It, that's more important even. Now, a lot of people are flooding into the church because of the music. And it's, it's, they, they say they want to worship, but they do not do righteousness and he says now in the priority system it's more important it's more important to obey rather than sacrifice that's what god had to tell saul himself god would rather us obey than to and to do righteousness than to worship than to present sacrifices now israel israel did righteous acts right They did righteous acts, but their heart was far from the Lord. Oh, but they looked good on the outside. Here's what I think we have today, though. We have a lot of people today claiming a heart for God. Warm, fuzzy feelings, I think, for God is what they're really describing but they don't do righteousness. Oh, they've got they'll they'll flock into church and they'll worship and they'll sing and all this kind of stuff. But boy, when it comes to doing righteousness, boy, they're they're lacking. Just the opposite of Israel. But both both are self-deceived. Israel had actions but no heart. Today's people have a claim for a heart but no actions. And folks, we've got to evaluate that. Both are self-deceived. Israel thinking, well, they're fooling God. Today, we, we're just fooling ourselves. Jesus said, why call me Lord when you don't do the things that I say? Now, I want you to turn over to one more passage here. 1 John chapter 2 verse 29. I just want to bring this point home here. 1 John chapter 2 verse 29 says, if you know that he is righteous, 1 John chapter 2 verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Notice the wording there. It doesn't say every, everybody who's righteous. No, everyone who practices righteousness does righteousness. Chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous. God, Christ is righteous. Chapter 3, verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Everyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. That's practicing righteousness. It's a practice of righteousness. It's a doing. There's a mandate to action. It has to be seen. It has to be practiced. And Jesus said... That we are to be in the world, but not of the world. There must be a distinction, folks. Folks, that's what righteousness is. That includes the whole life. It includes the heart. It includes the the very actions. My younger brother and I, um, his name is Sam. And uh, I remember back this about this this week. um, My grandfather, when my grandfather passed away, 19... 79, I believe. We inherited his car. It just sat in our driveway for a long time. We loved that car, my brother and I did. And we would get in that car. We would actually wash that car, clean that car up inside and out. We'd sit in that car. We'd listen to the radio. We'd wave at people as they go by. It was the coolest thing. The only thing is, that car didn't run. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't go anywhere. It was a facade. We were pretending. We were pretending. It was just all in our imagination. We cannot just say, oh, I'm righteous in my heart. The Lord knows my heart. And not practice righteousness. We're just fooling ourselves. We can go up to, uh, you know, you can do that uh, up here at the Ford place. And I'm tempted to do that. Just go to the Ford place. Say, hey, hey, I want to sit in this car for a while. Can I do that? Get the key. Oh, yeah. You can sit in this car. Wave at the people going by. Just sit there. Foolish, right? Foolish. Uh, We're fooling ourselves. And I'm afraid you have a whole Christian, a whole generation of of believers or or claim to be believers that are just kind of fooling themselves. They think, oh, I'm right in the heart. Man, their lies are, are just a wreck. They're not practicing righteousness. And so just by way of application, you have to ask yourself, do you see yourself as God's arms, as God's legs, as God's mouthpiece, as God's tool, as God's servant in this life? Are you practicing righteousness? Are you doing what He has commanded? Are your eyes on Him? Our goals are to be exchanged for God's goals. Our attitudes are to be God's attitudes. Our values are to be God's values. And... Our will is to be God's will. And our actions are to be God's actions. Are you working on righteousness? Are you pursuing it? Do you discipline yourself for righteousness? You know, I, I read this quote. and It's convicting to my own life. This short little thing. A short little statement. It says, everyone is a Christian until you. it gets biblical. When you start looking at scripture. When it, it start calling you to a righteous lifestyle. Then, you begin to think. And that scares me. May it never be of Daniel's Bible Church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Word and how it corrects our life. We, we, it's, a, it's like a mirror. We, we look in and, and we begin to see how dirty we are. And Lord, we want to be cleansed from that. And Lord, help us to not just go away. Look in the mirror and then go away without correcting what needs to be corrected Your word is so good and so precious to us. May we do it. May we practice righteousness this week. Lord, may we have a drive and discipline ourselves for righteousness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.